Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which are offered year by year continually, make the comers thereto perfect. Then would they not have ceased to be offered? What Paul's saying here is if the sacrifices, uh, the animal sacrifice in the temple and in the tabernacle, if they had done any good, well, why didn't they stop? If, if it took care of sin, why do you have to keep going back? The Word of God says, because the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Burn offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offerings for sin wouldest not, neither had his pleasure therein which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected how long? Forever them that are sanctified. If God will be my helper this morning, if he'll give me enough voice, you need to hear this. I'll take just a few minutes and I'll talk to you about the body, the blood, and the book. One of Satan's greatest plans is and always has been to cloud the issue, to obscure reality and to hide the truth, to confuse men's hearts and damn men's souls. Revelation chapter number 17 reveals the bride of the Antichrist, a woman seated on a scarlet-colored beast. The great whore of Revelation seated atop of the seven mountains is identified as none other than the Roman Catholic Church seated high atop of the seven hills of Rome. This morning I affectionately refer to her as the wench that stole Christmas. For 1,700 years, she's tried relentlessly to prostitute, to pollute, and to pervert the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's Word presents an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign, 
all-knowing, all-seeing God. Isaiah tells us of a sovereign king that rules his kingdom seated on his throne in the sides of the north. Malachi, as well as John in the book of the Revelation, tells that he's a meticulous record keeper who knows the hearts of men and knows all and sees all. Scripture tells us that with the aid of superhuman angelic ministers, this sovereign Lord will one day dispense holy justice and reward the deeds of mankind, whether they are good or whether they are evil. This morning, the Roman Catholic Church tells us this God's name is Saint Nicholas. You think about what I just said. Just making a list. Checking it twice. Going to find out who's not in They've distorted the whole thing. In keeping with the Roman culture, it was impossible for the Roman church to conquer the known world without allowing the pagans to keep their pagan Roman rituals and holidays. In keeping with December 25th, the holiday of the winter soldiers, the shortest day of the year. After Christmas, instead of getting shorter, the days began to get longer. The harlot church allowed the Romans to keep the pagan festival that incorporated Roman rituals into little bits and pieces of biblical truth. They developed what we now know as Christmas. Jesus, by the way, this morning was not born on December 25th. That was a Roman pagan holiday. But the biblical view this morning is not concerned with when Jesus came. The biblical view this morning is concerned with why Jesus came. Therefore, I will talk to you about the body and the blood and the book. From Genesis chapter 3, God promised there would be a seed born of woman that would bruise Satan's head and Satan would bruise his heel. And from that time forward, man anxiously awaited the birth of a Savior. There's no doubt that Adam and Eve believed that when their firstborn son came, this was going to be the Savior that God had spoke about. Satan would bruise his heel, a type of the crucifixion on the cross of Calvary. But the Savior would bruise Satan's head, a type of the victory when Jesus got up out of the grave. Didn't happen all that soon and many, many years later. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, Isaiah wrote of a virgin that would conceive and bring forth a child and should call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. There came a time 2,000 years ago on the muddy banks of the Jordan River. The Lord Jesus Christ stepped out and John, the Baptist, said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Peter saw a lamb. John the Beloved saw a lamb as it had been slain from the foundation of the world. And is it any wonder this morning that that Bethlehem night, the first ones to receive news of the birth of the Lamb of God were shepherds? 
keeping watch over their flock by night. The Lord God Almighty knew what he is doing from the very beginning of this thing. He came to the lowly of this world, not many wise, not many noble, but just to common folks. And he came to common shepherds to tell them there's been a little lamb born down there in a stable and you need to go see about it. There had to be a sinless, perfect sacrifice. That little lamb had to be put up and had to be kept in waiting. For the Paschal Feast. That lamb was Jesus Christ. And Almighty God allowed his angels to watch over him. Lest he dash his foot upon a stone. The Lord Jesus Christ as a child never had a bruise. The Lord Jesus never fell down and skinned his knee. An insect never so much as bit the flesh of the creator that spoke them into existence. It was necessary by holy design, by holy God, that there be a holy sacrifice. And his name was Jesus. And for him to ever come to us, it was necessary that that Bethlehem night there was a lamb born in a little manger, a little cow stall. A little virgin girl named Mary, probably about 15 years old, had traveled 70 miles to get to a crowded city, to get to a place to fulfill the word of God in the little town of Bethlehem. There had to be a body. This scripture talks about a body thou hast prepared for me. This scripture talking to Orthodox Jews. The book of Hebrews as Paul wrote to Hebrews that had an intimate knowledge of the temple service and the sacrifice and the tabernacle service. Understood that there was no sacrifice without the shedding of blood. Almost all things are purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. There's going to have to be a lamb. There's going to have to be a body. But there was going to have to be blood. Every year on the day of atonement, the high priest, the high priest would have to go and prepare himself. He would take that offering from that brazen altar and he'd go by the brazen laver and enter into the tabernacle proper on the right hand side was the table of shoe bread on the left the golden candlestick directly ahead was the altar of incense all in typology a picture of Jesus Christ all in typology of seen in an aerial view draws out a picture of a cross But that one day here on the day of atonement, it was necessary for the high priest not to stop at the altar of incense, but that one time a year. After his ceremonial cleansing, the high priest went behind the veil to the mercy seat. That veil in scripture is a type of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and the suffering on Calvary. And when the Lord Jesus cried, it is finished. The temple veil, the word of God says, was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And it was a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Every year when the high priest went in, he took the blood for the atonement of the sins of the people, sprinkled it on the mercy seat. Jewish historians tell us that that priest would wear little bells on the hem of his garment. 
so that those other priests in the outer sanctuary would have knowledge that he was still moving. Lest any priest were to go in a high priest with some uncleanness into the presence of the holiness of God and be struck dead. Jewish history tells us that a rope was placed around the ankle of the high priest that just in case one went in to minister before the holiness of God and was found with some uncleanness in him and fell down dead that the other priest would have a method by which to retrieve his lifeless corpse to drag him out under that curtain and under that veil by a rope tied around his leg. It was necessary that there be a body, but it was necessary that there be blood. And you see, there was necessary that there be a high priest. The Lord Jesus Christ was not after the tribe of Levi. The Lord Jesus Christ was a mysterious priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to John the Baptist on the banks of that river that day, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John said, I have need to be baptized of thee. And Jesus said, Suffer it to be so that we might fulfill all righteousness. When the Lord Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, most folks don't understand this morning that as a 30-year-old male virgin about to enter into the priesthood, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was baptized in Jordan, was a 30-year-old priest after the order of Melchizedek being ritually sanctified for his position as a high priest that John didn't fully understand three and one-half years later would be the one to take the blood sacrifice behind the veil not of this earthly tabernacle not of this earthly temple but of the temple in heaven to be sprinkled on the mercy seat before God the Father the Lord Jesus Christ as he suffered on Calvary took the retribution of a holy God and suffered all that he suffered that he might give his blood many folks people say this and I may have said this before but You need to understand, people say just one drop of his precious blood. And I understand what they mean by that. I understand what they're saying, Brother Wesley. And you cannot exaggerate the preciousness of the blood of Christ. But one drop of Jesus' blood would do me no good and would do you no good. Because according to the Levitical law that after the blood was taken and placed on the horns of the altar, the sacrifice, Brother Jesse, the Word of God tells us that all the blood was poured out under the altar. It took every drop of his precious blood. Is it any wonder that he was beaten and he was scourged? His back was laid open like furrows. His beard was plucked from his face. A crown of thorns was shoved down on his precious brow. The night before in the garden of Gethsemane had prayed until the small capillaries in his forehead had burst. And before Jesus ever got to the cross of Calvary, he was already a bloody mess. And then as he hung on that cross suspended between 
between heaven and earth with his hands and his feet nailed with cruel Roman spikes. A Roman soldier in vehement hatred to the Son of God took a spear and shoved it in his side and the word of God said forthwith came blood and water. I know that's pretty meaningless to most of you this morning. But it took a body. It took blood. The Lord Jesus Christ on the third day got up out of the grave. Mary ran to meet him and touched him. And Jesus said, touch me not. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. He was a sanctified priest on his way into the tabernacle with an offering. Not for his own sin. Not just for the sins of Mary, but for the sins of Mike, and the sins of Jesse, and the sins of Wesley, and the sins of all that would believe on the Son of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ didn't go to a tabernacle made by hands. He went to the tabernacle in the heavenlies, and he walked right by that brazen altar knowing he was the sacrifice. He walked by the brazen labor knowing that he was the water. He walked by the table of shoe bread knowing he was the bread of life. He walked by the candlestick knowing he was the light of the world. He walked right by the altar of incense knowing that he was the sweet smelling savor. And walked right into the holy of holies and went to the mercy seat and put his own precious blood. Almighty God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That blood's still there today, friend. It ain't there just to look at. It's there as a reminder before a holy God of what his precious son did on the cross of Calvary for a bunch of nothing like me. Sinful, wicked, ungodly men could come to know the sweet, tender, loving Savior. Hey, we was in trouble with our sin nature. Praise God, Brother James, it had to be paid for somehow. I didn't have a sacrifice and you could take a lamb every year, but it never took care of the problem. Until the Lamb of God came along. He took care of that thing. There had to be a body. There had to be blood. But he said in the volume of a book, it's written of me. God had kept a record of what he was going to do. God had given an account that one day he was going to come. And those precious Jews had read it over and over. And the vast majority of them missed it when he got there. Man, they had studied that scripture. Man, they had studied Moses in his life. And Moses, a type of the Son of God, David, a type of the Son of God. All of those Old Testament characters that we know and understand as beautiful types of the sweet Son of God. And when he got there, they missed it. That book said he was coming the first time. The Word of God said that he'd come lowly riding on an ass, the foal of an ass. And in his triumphant entry just days before he was crucified, the Lord Jesus came in the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And as he rode on that little donkey, people came and began to worship and cry Hosanna to God in the highest. 
and laid down palm branches. And the Pharisees had conniption fits and said, make your disciples be quiet. Make them shut up. And Jesus said, if they were to be quiet, the very rocks would cry out. Praise God, I don't want rock doing my praises for me. He loved me and he saved me. He sanctified me. Set me apart, made me a fit subject for heaven. He was worthy to be glorified this morning. That book said it's going to happen, Brother Wesley. And son, she did just like he said. There had to be a body, there had to be blood, and there had to be a book. That same book said he is coming the first time. Says he's coming again. But he ain't coming lowly laying in a manger. Next time he ain't coming riding on a donkey. Next time he's coming on a battle stallion. And the word of God said his vestures dipped in blood. Not his blood. The blood of his enemies. As he speaks the word of his mouth at the great battle of Armageddon. And his enemies fall down as dead before him. And he sets that battle stallion down on the east street of Jerusalem. Today that gate's mortared shut by Muslims. They put a Muslim cemetery out in front of it. And they thought that'd keep any Orthodox Jewish rabbi away. They don't understand when he's coming back. He's not coming back as a priest. He's coming back as a king. He's going to go through that eastern gate and take his rightful place on the throne of his father David and bless his holy name. Those that's been born of the Spirit of God will be seated and be able to rule and reign with him a thousand years. That's glorious, son. All because of a body. All because of blood and all because of a book. You say, what's the significance of that book? That's what helped me and you get in this deal. The preaching of that book is what helps men find out they're in trouble and they need a Savior. The preaching of this book is what helps men know that there is hope and there is help in this godless world. Boy, I love you this morning. I bless his holy name. Boy, he's trying to help sinners this morning. He's trying to help the saints of God rejoice this morning. This thing ain't about Santa Claus. Son, we've let that thing be hijacked right out from under us. You know why? We're as dumb as a box of rocks. God help us. We don't even know what it's about. You know why you're rejoicing in what I told you this morning? It's the truth. It's the truth. It's right. That's why you rejoice in that more than you can a brightly wrapped package under a tree. Boy, this is the truth of an all-knowing, sovereign, holy God that made a plan to get us out of the mess we're in. He loves you. You know what he wants from you this morning? He wants you to trust his book. He wants you to trust his blood. He wants you to trust his body. Son, it's important he came in a body. That vindicated the truth of the word of God. God said he's going to do it in Genesis chapter 3, and he did it. I love him this morning. I thank God he came. 2,000 years ago. Born in a little old cow stable. Laid in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Thank God he's the dearest, sweetest friend I've ever known. I'm sorry the world don't understand this thing. And I'm sorry the Catholic Church as a whole has hijacked the whole thing. But I'm just an old slobbering nobody Baptist preacher this morning. 
But I come to you in the authority of the body. And I come to you in the authority of the blood. And I come to you in the authority of the book. That's what this thing's about this morning. It's bowed and eyes closed while we wait just a minute. Bless his name. I love him. Praise God. He's so good. Praise God. He's real, Brother Jesse. He is real this morning. Thank God you you look at that story like a fairy tale in a book. Bless his holy name. He's real this morning. He's real this morning. I may not be real. I may be a figment of your imagination. But, Brother, he's real this morning. He's real. He's real. He's real. Praise his holy name. He's real. I love him. He came to save sinners. He came so he could offer a sacrifice so you could be clean. You going to trust him? You going to trust him? He loved you so much. He loved you so much. He come after you. You going to trust him this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed while we wait just a minute.